Well, there you have another episode of Straight Out of Combat Radio, audio medicine by Green Zone Hero. Mark E. Green is an incredible story. He went from buck private to lieutenant colonel in the United States Army. He is a person that embraces adversity and always seems to turn it around for the best. He's an author, a speaker, a vetrepreneur, if you will, on a serious mission to spend his time helping people through their lives and the traumas that affect them. Uh, I can't say enough about this interview. You're going to want to listen to it. His message is compelling. He is an active actor, and I mean actor in the fact that he goes out and he gets things done. was very privileged, uh, very privileged and honored to have Mark Green on our show today. And thank you for listening to Straight Outta Combat Radio. Your steely-eyed killer shadow in the night You were born to fight You gotta light them up My name is John Krotek, and I want to welcome you to Straight Outta Combat Radio, audio medicine by Green Zone Hero. We're here to honor the wisdom of America's most valuable asset for combat veterans. We're authentic, we're empowering, we're American. I am super excited about today's guest on Straight Out of Combat Radio. This individual, this soldier, this leader, this visionary is doing some phenomenal things. And not only is he doing them now, but he he did them when he served our great country. He's an author, he's a speaker. He's a, a serial entrepreneur, actually a vetrepreneur. Uh, he has gone from the rank of private to lieutenant colonel. I've never met anybody that's done that, so this is a real treat for me. He served two stints as inspector general, including one during which he was responsible for the southern half of Afghanistan. We'll, we'll hear more about that. Uh, what's really cool about Mark is he is a, an avid practitioner he is a third-degree black belt in Taekwondo. And what's really interesting with that, when he was a member of the 82nd Airborne, he was able to have the United States Army officially recognize Taekwondo as a sport. Uh, that's pretty cool. He also has a master's degree in business and law, a law degree, and he got those both while he was serving the country. So there you go. You got a motivated person. Uh, speaks volumes. He is the author of Step Out, Step Up, Lessons Learned from a Lifetime of Transitions in Military Service and the book Warrior's Code 001, Seven Steps to Remarkable Resilience. And that book focuses on the mind, body, and spirit, and he developed it based on his own experiences. Um, he's doing a, real, a lot of really cool things, and I know as we delve into this conversation, we're going to talk more about it. He's building a uh, an incredible... Um, program with speakers, the Mindset Vets Resiliency with the KIT curriculum, uh, featuring the seven steps to remarkable resilience. It's the centerpiece of his workshop and what he's currently working on. Uh, Mark lives in Orlando, Florida with his wife and their son, Adam. He's also established his company there called My Silver Boots, LLC. His purpose in sharing his story is to help veterans everywhere and people in general and to encourage them to be the best they can be. And his proven, his proven methodology based on his own experiences is invaluable to anybody seeking to up their game. Uh, very privileged and honored to have Lieutenant Colonel Mark Green, who, by the way, spent 34 years in the United States Army. I am humbled and very honored to have you here, Mark, on Straight Outta Combat Radio. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Thanks a lot, John. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I listened to all of that. and I'm like, who is that guy? That's, that doesn't sound like the kid that I grew up in Missouri. <laughs> and so I, I realized that, you know, as I listen to my bio, sometimes I'm like, how did I, one, how did I do all that? And I was like, well, maybe it was motivated by the, the difficulty and the adversity that drives us. Sometimes it's not about, you know, our achievement, but it's also about the heart. And I also want people to know that I am a student of adversity. I, I mean, my name is Strength Through Adversity. Green stands for that. And if you look look back into history, and I realized that I I started out as a kid with a lot of difficulty. My family grew up in Missouri, and we had a family of six living in a little log cabin by the creek. 
we didn't have a lot. You know, we, my dad left and we were ended up living on welfare and ended up with three stepfathers after that. And a lot of adversity. I share a lot of that in the book about, you know, overcoming things that just just, you know, keep getting punched in the grill like thousands of times and just keep standing up and not giving up. And I was fortunate in the sixth grade to meet a man who was a, became a mentor and he was a Taekwondo guy. Uh, he was teaching it for the college and we begged him and begged him until he allowed us to come and train. And then I started training in Taekwondo and that became something that started solidifying a seed inside of me that I could be a champion. I could be something more than what I was because things were not, you know, the wheels were falling off the bus when I was young. And I needed, I needed to reach out and find that somebody who I could trust and somebody who I could look to, to help me grow. And although I still had a lot of adversity around me, that one seed, that one mentor, his name is Charles Roth, was the guy who helped me kind of start getting some self-esteem and start getting me believing in myself again. And so I carried that through until um, until high school, but then I still was not doing the right things. I was still making mistakes. I was still, you know, I still had a chip on my shoulder from my father leaving. So I was angry. I was angry at the world. And so I, I realized that if I'm going to do something, I'm going to have to make changes. And so I, I, I was offered a job outside of the state, but I had been in, I was, I was in trouble and I shouldn't have, shouldn't have left. And I left anyway, cause I was like, well, well yeah, I got no high school diploma. I didn't graduate two, two weeks before school. I had to I had to sit in the study hall just to finish 12 years of seat time. And so I left. I left and I, I, I actually joined a, a band of gypsies in Arkansas. <laughs> no kidding. That's, and, that's, that's interesting, man. How'd you meet those I was, people? <laughs> I know. And so here I was living in this eight by 10 shed by the railroad tracks, working for these band of gypsies. And we would go off and lay blacktop and then come back and they would give us one meal a day and we'd have to clean, keep the trucks clean. And, 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 you know, during that period, I fell in love. Right. And so she said, OK, it's the gypsies or me. And of course, next thing, you know, here comes the first baby. And and so I had to say goodbye to the gypsies, which I did. <laughs> and then she said, uh, OK, so what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'll get a job. Well, I got a job at a, at, a, at a steel plant building 55 gallon drums, loading trucks that with, you know, 80 pound steel truck, you know, steel drums, three high in trucks all day long in Arkansas heat. And that wasn't working out. So I'm like, all right. So then I, I ended up working for the local community on the back of a garbage truck, right? Here I was, you know, nine, 21 years old, 22 years old, 21 years old, and, and no future. So I said, no, I'm going back. I'm going to clear my name. I'm going to join the Army. So I get in my old 65 stepside pickup, um, you know, and I started driving. And as soon as I got across the state line, I have taillight out. So they stopped me and they're like, oh, we've been waiting for you. You left and we knew you weren't here. So I spent four days in a really bad place and I changed my life. And I got in front of the judge and said, he said, get out of my courtroom. I don't want to ever see you again. I said, don't worry about that. So, you know, the scared straight thing you hear, people don't realize you go through some challenges in life. And that was a that was a pivot point. It's like, OK, so I go to the army and they're like, you ever been in trouble? I'm like, I'm raising my hand. So got that cleared off. They said, get back in formation. You're not in trouble. They did all the background stuff they do and whatever. And they, that started my life over. And I met this man or this other kid that was same age as me. His name was Dwayne Ryden. He is now an E-9 in the United States Army Reserve and a chaplain's assistant. He helped me to become baptized in basic training. And I changed my life and God entered my life in and out throughout those years. But I still had a lot of adversity. I still had relationship problems, still had money problems. You know, I, I, I got divorces, you know, and, and, you know, here I was in the 82nd Airborne as a paratrooper. And I was the soldier of the month for the battalion or for the year. I got to go to France and jump out of foreign foreign aircraft and get their wings. And I got to, and then I, and then I, I got an opportunity to fight for the U S Army's army team. Now we wasn't the ones that actually made it an official sport. Like you had mentioned, we were the first ever army team to be assembled. 
that actually got paid to go fight for the national championships because we won in the state championships at Fort Bragg. So as a private, I, I realized that I get to, ch- I, I started realizing that I am good at what I do. So I just took, I just took that and kept going. And then of course I, I, I fell out of love with the first, um, uh, I guess starter wife, it's not really a starter wife, but that's just people. You I get it. Yeah, and, uh, and so, and, and I got, and I fell in love again with a girl from North Carolina who her dad worked for IBM and I had two more kids. Well, that also didn't work out. I was an E4 in the national guard and an infantry brigade. Things weren't working out for me. And, and she decided that money and other things are more important than me living in her mom's house. And I don't disagree at that point because I did not have the things I needed or the tools I needed to take care of a good family. And it just spiraled out of control. You know, ugly divorces. Everybody's been through those relationship problems if they know what I'm talking about. So I decided. And then and then one day she kind of put something in my mind. She said, you will never be an officer in the Army and you will never have a college degree because at that time I didn't have either one. And I thought, okay, so those that second pivot point in life, hold my beer. Right. So so I it was a fire that got put under me and I don't recommend people having anger to be a a, a driver to change. But in that case, I realize that I have a choice. Do I let allow other people decide for me what I'm going to do in life or am I going to take charge of my own life? And that's the, uh, the second pivot point where I said, no, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to I'm going to get the grades or test scores I need to become an officer. I'm going to do everything I can. And I am not looking back. So I didn't. And every time a school came available, I went to it. Every time I needed to do something to improve, I did it. I, I went to school at night. You know, I I, I used all of my GI Bill. Uh, I just pushed myself every day that I was in boots. And I did that for 34 years. So, so it was a long haul to get there. And then finally, you know, a kid that didn't have virtues and values growing up and wasn't taught then becomes an army guy that says, hey, I'm the guy that's going to enforce policy. I'm the guy that's going to help teach and train others on how to do it right. And that was a huge, huge uh, feeling for me to be able to, to have that honor to stand in front of people and say, look, I know, you know, when you go through all the problems you do in life, it really does help you become, uh, uh, you know, somebody who understands when other people have problems. I mean, I don't like to rant, but I will tell you that everybody out there, if they if there anybody has all has had some kind of relationship problem in their life, everybody's probably have some kind of financial problem in their life or they've had to deal with toxic people or lack of education or lack of support. And when I see those problems in veterans, and as an inspector general, I dealt with their problems every day for almost five and a half years. So I got to listen to them every day tell me what the problems were. And then I was able to be like a switchboard operator. Well, I know over here is where you can get that solution. Over here, you can get that solution. And it started making sense. So as I left the service and transitioned, I'm like, well, what am I going to do? I'm like, you know what? Tell your story. Army, Army's always been saying for years and years and years, tell your story, right? Tell the Army story. So I thought, well, hell, I'll just write it in a book. So I did. And, you know, I mean, it was scary because my family was in there. All the, the, the all the failure was in there. I mean, you put your life in a, in a book, man. I'm telling you, the freaking emotion wagon shows up. And you realize that you're you're putting your whole life out there for people to see. And that was a huge risk because I was worried about what, you know, first I was worried about what people thought. And then I thought, you know what, if I don't stand and have courage to show people that I'm just another person and I'm authentic, then who am I? Why do I do that? You know, I'll tell you, Mark, I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, what I'm seeing here is what I'm hearing, I think, is that there's this dual track. There's the Mark Green, professional Mark Green, moving up the ladder, self-improving. And then there's the other side of Mark Green because he didn't have that foundation like so many of us don't. Yeah, kind of in an almost in a conflict. And what you just mentioned was authenticity. And I think the book, all that stuff that you did and all those experiences you had with those relationships culminated in that book. And you just mentioned something, authenticity Mm -hmm. and courage. 
And authenticity is honesty and courage is taking it to the next level. So tell us about the book. I mean, so. So yeah, I, I, at first I, I, I started to write um, because when I got my when I got my law degree and we had a little shindig at the, the local place with some officers and some wives and some my family and everything. And I had also made lieutenant colonel at the same time. So when that happened, I told a quick summary of my life a little bit, you know, not not the long version, but the short version. And, and <laughs> this woman walks up to me and she goes, Mark, you just inspired me to go back to school. And a light bulb went on and I said, oh, that's an aha moment. I said, if I can do that for one, why can't I do that for thousands? And so I decided to start writing. So I reached out to this editor in New York and I wrote a couple chapters and she goes, that's really good. However, I do this and this. And I took her advice and then I've kind of stepped away from her after I paid her and, and, I, and I reached out. And I just and her best advice was just sit down and write. Don't worry about chapters. Don't worry about what you're going to call it. Don't worry about any of that. Just sit down and write. So I did that for like a year and a half. And I changed a book, changed a book, changed a book. And I was like, okay. And then, and then it was done. And I met this man through the church. Uh, he was a Santa Ana police department or police chief or not police chief, but a Santa Ana uh, sheriff for 30 years. And we used to go have Cokes. And he said, Mark, he said, um, don't be afraid to to reach out and tell your story because it's it's powerful and it's going to change people. And so we and and I as I as I left Afghanistan, I got I got I re-injured an uh, an existing injury and I had to learn how to walk again. And I had 4 months to be at General Command General Staff College. So I had to physically get ready for the physical fitness test and pass it when I showed up or I was going to lose one of the resident seats, which are very hard to get, especially in the Armored Reserve because I was full time. You know, there's only three engineers that were there from the Armored Reserve for that whole school. And there's twelve hundred and seventy majors in the room. So I didn't want to lose that seat. So I had to learn how to walk again from the first day of saying, move your foot. And the brain said yes. And the foot said no to phys- to pass in the test in four four months. Awesome. And then I took and then eight months later, I did a triathlon with my wife at in Kansas. And the and the and the last guy who finished the triathlon that day was who? Moi. Was <laughs> because <laughs> I had to walk the last three and a half miles because I had a profile now and I can't run. Now, I ran my whole life as a paratrooper and everybody else. I mean, I can't I don't want to count how many logged hours I had running. But I realized that that was a limitation I could not overcome. So instead of instead of beating myself over over it, I just said, you know what, go out there and do the best you can do. And that's what I did. And so those that's the kind of stuff when you realize that no matter what you get, you get to choose. I always say it's not the events in life. It's our responses and our responses equal the outcomes, not the event itself. Because we don't control the events sometimes. We only can control our response to that event. And if we do it right, the outcomes can be different. And that's why I'm big in the self-help industry. That book became the seven R's, which, I, which are rest, reconnect with yourself, reset your mind, remove problems and negativity, uh, re, uh, resolve issues, recon your future, and reengage. That was a curriculum that was on the end of the first book. However, my co-author and her consultant in New York said, wait, you have a curriculum. Don't put that in the first book. So we split the book. Right. Warrior's Code then became Seven Vital Steps to Resiliency, which is stories about me, but also a, pra- a practice that people can put in place on their stories. And if they layer that over the top of their world, they can also become more resilient. You know, something something you mentioned, which uh, early on was said, you know, you're you proclaimed that you're a student of adversity. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's interesting because, you know, people may not look at it like that. But you 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 also said that, you know, adversity hits all of us at one stage or another in our lives. And, you know, if we don't have a roadmap or a plan to deal with it because we don't have those skill sets, then it does make it a lot more difficult. I think one thing that hangs here too, Mark, that I see in you and in the way you approach things is you have this burning desire. 
Yeah. And with that burning desire, what you've been able to do is figure it out pretty much on your own by the things that have been thrown at you. But the keys that I'm getting here, and we'll get we'll get into this, but but desire, authenticity, the reaction to adversity and how that affects us in the moment, but also in the future. Um, let me ask you this real quick, just a, a small diversion, then we'll get back mm-hmm. on track. Is there any one thing that you can remember, whether it was in basic training or in combat or in one of your classes for advancement, is there any one instance, and you just mentioned the lady that you could change one life, but is there any one thing in your military career that you went an aha moment? This is an, where you learned something about teamwork or the country or patriot, whatever. Was there, can you think of any one moment that stuck out in your military career that said, this is a life-changing moment? Absolutely. I knew, <laughs> I you, I knew, you, I knew that, but uh, <laughs> so, it's not a trick so question. The one, so the one moment, obviously, was the, it, once the Army team went to the national championships and I'm standing across from a competitor. And I'm looking him dead in the eye and I know I'm ready and I know how hard I worked and I know what I gave to get there. And as an athlete, when you do that and you're and, and you know, and I won that first fight and I was I, the only guy that beat me was the guy that actually won the Olympic medal when I was done. But when I was there and I looked across the I looked across that tape at that other guy and I got ready to spar with him. That was that one moment when I realized that's the high point of my life because I worked so hard to overcome obstacles and let of letting obstacles beat me. And even in the state championships, when I had the last fight, my my coach pulled me aside in the last last the last um, round and he said, "Are you coming with us or not?" And what he was telling me was, "If I don't give everything I've got, if I'm if I'm going to hold back." and not try to be the best I can be, then I'm not going to make the team. And I think that was the one moment, if you're asking about that, that changed everything for me because I realized once I do that, now I've got, I've, I, I know that I can do other anything if I set my mind to it. And so I, I now get to do what I get to do because of my military service to get me to where I'm at. I sat in the, 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 the previous senior producer of Good Morning America's office less than three days ago. And I asked her, I said, you know, I said, our, our military families go through a lot. Right now we're going through a situation with bullying with my son and, and some, some other problems that he has. And, and I realized it's like, you know what, Every, everything that comes our way, we get a choice. And we have to figure out sometimes how to come up with the solutions. So for me, I realized that maybe my solution is not the only solution out there. So that's why I, this year I've created the online, the largest ever online summit, because I realized that veterans, if they get this information free, I can I can connect with people across the world on resiliency. And I don't have to. It's a community now, not just me. Now, I, I always thought, well, you know, for a while, I mean, I've got love me wall stuff on my wall, <laughs> too. It's the heart. You know, it's not just. It's the feelings, too. It's not just our achievement because I was so focused on achievement. Well, I need to get a law degree. I need to get a master's degree. I need to you know, be the best at this and be the best at that. And, you know, that's just competitive speech, competitive spirit, which is not wrong, but it's not enough. So once I realized that I had a heart still and I was willing to let go of a little bit of ego, now I realize, wait, there are so many other people that have great solutions out here to help our veterans. So why am I not? creating a community of that. And that's what I did. And so we just built it. And now I have an event every year. And the really cool thing about the event last year was the fact that I didn't have any sponsors. I had nobody to help me. Basically, a couple couple of volunteers. One guy was good at websites in St. Louis and my co-author. We ended up giving the Harley Davidson away that went through the tunnel when Army beat Navy a couple of years ago at my event. The other cool thing about that was when I pulled the ticket for the winner, the family had had a loss in their family who was a cadet that went to West Point. Wow. That motorcycle, they wanted it to go back to West Point in perpetuity. But somebody was going to win it when I pulled the ticket at my event, VetFest Live. So when I pulled the ticket, guess what happened? I pulled the ticket of a long gray line 
graduate from many, many years ago. Guess what he ended up doing? That man gave the bike back to West Point just recently. And that bike is now back at West Point for in perpetuity forever. That's that's fantastic. You know, what I'm hearing here is 110 percent commitment when you when you when you assign yourself to a goal or a journey and then the network, you know, building a network of true believers. And what else is really cool, Mark, about what you just said, man, you mentioned the heart and I just finished three books about the heart. One's called <laughs> right? rewire your heart. They're exactly. all, they're all See? Christian based. And then yeah. wild at heart by John Eldridge. And then I just finished by Kyle Eidelman, uh, not a fan. And I, you know, the universe, God, God's creation works in so many, it just works. And, I know. And I know. It, it gives me goosebumps and, you know, you hear that, but, that, that you know what that Harley Davidson story, but the, but the story of how you created that network of of speakers that can help people across the globe, that's a mission that money can't buy. As I called it, I call it a humankind mission, you know, or humankind matters. And kudos to you. And I know that you are you're shifting and we've been hearing this too, you know, shifting the paradigm and all this, right. But you're actually doing it. And that in and of itself is so inspirational to people that are out there in your network and beyond to make the world a better place. Um, wow. That's just really, really cool. So, <laughs> you know, what's you, you, John, you know, what's really cool um, is when you sit with other veterans and you realize that they may have a limiting belief or they may have some things in front of them that's not working or whatever. Like I, I, I got to spend some time with a, a, a kid from, from Texas. I call him a kid cause he's a lot younger than me, but you know, he's, he's adult with kids and all that, but he, but he was, he's building these beautiful flags out of steel and wood. And he, you know, he's had six or seven of them in his garage now. And they're, you know, they're, they're amazing flags. And, and he just didn't have the confidence from his family that things were going to go right. And because I had the Harley Davidson dealer from last year, I thought, you know what? I'm going to buy your first flag and I'm going to give it as a tribute because the motorcycle that went to West Point, there's nothing to replace it in their in their showroom. Right. And the, on the Harley Davidson floor. So I sent I bought one of the flags and sent it to the Harley Davidson dealer because I said, I sat at breakfast with them and I said, you know what, why don't we create a campaign to memorialize these flags across the country in all the Harley Davidson dealerships? He goes, damn, Mark, can we do that? I said, why not? (laughs) And so he went home and now we've started a campaign. The first one has already showed up at the first dealer. And now we're going to get 10 cities and then we're going to go across the country with it. And the kid's going to be so busy, he's not going to know what to do, but he's going to have to grow his business because I know what's going to happen. And so he's so excited. And this is one veteran that really kind of didn't believe in himself yet. And I just changed a little bit of thinking. And now he's like, oh, my God, we're doing this. And I said, yeah, we're doing this. And so when I when I see that in others and I'm able to give them maybe one tip or one thing about business, you know, I have a law degrees. I can't give law advice, but I can share my experiences and I can share what kind of what to do without break, you know, breaking the rules. When I see somebody start to light up because they've, they've given, they found purpose and passion. That's what makes me, that's what gives me the drive I have. I have an 80% disability. I have a veteran. I have 34 year retirement as an 05. I don't have to do this. I get to do this. And so I when I when I'm able to help others like that, that is what makes me feel good. I mean, I get responses all the time now. I'm like, wow, these people really see what I'm doing and they really are appreciative of it. And, and sometimes your why has to be not just, you know, make having a veteran business or whatever. But mine is not a business. It's a movement. It's a movement about self-help across this country. And it's a badly, it's a badly, it's first of all, it's badly needed. And then it's timely. You know, you mentioned Harley Davidson, you know, as a company, you know, who's steeped in American tradition and in the history of our military. And, you know, that company, when we didn't even have a brand with our own company, they stepped up and supported it. And that speaks volumes about 
not only them as a company, but it speaks volumes about how to build network and how the creator brings all the true believers together in one way or another. <laughs> and and I, I wholeheartedly concur with you when you can help a single human being who may be in that dark place or in that place of no confidence or, you know, trying to figure something out through this adversity, when you can help that one person, you know, it could be the next teacher that inspires the next individual. They become the next, whatever they become in their life at the top of their sure. game. Then everything you do seems all worthwhile. One thing that on this journey, my own personal journey is that I've, I've found that, you know, there's a lot of different paths that lead sometimes to the same place. Mm -hmm. And when you can be honest with yourself and look at that person, I could never figure it out in my own therapy. Why my therapist said, if you get up at three o'clock because you're not sleeping and you look at yourself in the mirror and you tell that guy that you love him, I was like looking around to see who was watching me, but it all starts there. And that desire, um, man, you are, <laughs> all I can say is that we're, this is a great conversation. You are doing some incredible things to help humanity and, and I, I sincerely believe, and I know you probably believe this too, I think that people are crying out for it. Oh, yeah. I, I totally believe that too. I mean, the first time I decided to even go down this road, I was, I was checking out some of the Facebook pages with Army and everything just to kind of get a pulse or what's happening out there in the, in the community. And somebody in Houston had posted a really tragic event that was about to happen to them with a major surgery. And no, th the thing was, no one had responded. And that threw me off. I was like, why is not family or somebody saying, hey, man, you're going to be all right. Everything will be fine. No one responded. And it bothered me. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to the guy and I said, hey, this is who I am. Here's my number. I said, when you get in ICU, which meant you're not going to pass. He thought he was going to pass. Then call me. I didn't think he'd call me, John, because he didn't know me. Right. I'm not. I'm just a total stranger to the guy. Guess what? This guy's sitting in ICU. Who do you think he called? Me. And I was like, okay. And then he went on to tell me all kinds of other things that were going on. I was like, holy cow, God gave me the worst first. How am I going to help this guy? Right? So it was a very big challenge. And to kind of cut it to, to the chase, we went from this guy going through a major heart surgery and having no money and homeless and nowhere to go and no medication and no no way to help and hooked on drugs and everything else mm. to today where he now has a housing voucher. He has a new truck. He had a new girlfriend. He has money. He has um, he fixed his teeth. He did all of the things that needed to be done. And now I'm a friend with that man. That's an awesome story. Awesome. And, you know, and there you go. You know, the, 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 you know, the sincerity to reach out one thing which a lot of people don't do these days we live in this no. digital age and and you know oh my gosh you know a 15 second attention span and oh that's their problem i i'm going to switch channels here but you know mark first of all god bless you man thank you for doing that and second of all when we can be human with each other mm -hmm. we, we can inspire and what's interesting about you, see, I'm, I'm taking notes here, man. Yeah. <laughs> what's interesting about you is that you're the, you're the type of person with vision, but you're actually mastering these digital tools that have mm -hmm. gotten people off, so off track. Um, and now you're, you're trying to get people back on track. Right. And, and, it, and it is a group effort. Of course, it takes a visionary to have the idea. Yeah. But it also, you know, we hear that, oh, it takes a village to raise the kid. You know, there's so much truth to that. That's just an amazing story. And if each of us could do that once a day, you know, reach right. out to just another fellow. Oh, yeah. fellow just reach human. out to one vet and say, hey, man, how you doing? You know, something as simple as that. Just connection. A phone call. Not alienating. You know, I had to tell that guy, though, I had to say, look, I'm not I cannot be your bank because he had a had an addiction at the time. I cannot be your bank. I cannot be your doctor nor your psychologist. I made sure that I'm not, you know, I'm going to put myself in a situation where I'm not giving advice about something that I can't. Roger that. However, I told him, Hey man, I'll be your battle buddy. He said, that's cool. I said, that's all we need to do. Right. And so I get him laughing and, you know, get his mind off as a relationship thing that wasn't going well and everything. And now he's, I think he's gotten back to having a relationship with the kids. And so, yeah, it, it, it is something that, that, uh, is hard to do, 
uh, is to reach out. And, you know, sometimes the problems are too insurmountable and you have to understand there's a gap where you don't fit in that and you cannot help that person. You need to you need to make sure that they're getting what they need. And there's social services, there's social services, there's other programs out there that help. There's thousands of 501c3s that we reach out to. I've met some great ones and then I've met some not so great. I'm like, no way I would ever give that person a dollar. And so I'm I'm very I, I'm a I'm a rugged individualist, but I'm also understanding of you know there's a great community out there of people that do want to help, um, and if we can just collect that better um, instead of just trying to everybody be off on their own, we'll have a we'll have a, we'll have better tools to, to to resolve some of these issues. I really like that you, you know, and one thing that you pointed out, Mark, you talked about you know there's certain organizations that you wouldn't give money. Too. And that's one of the reasons why people are so distrustful these days, because in the digital age, organizations and people can be whatever they want. Sometimes their methodologies and their missions aren't necessarily above board. And and that's what makes it difficult for that person out there uh, to make decisions where they would support an organization. And, and that's why it's important, like even like with podcasts like this and other interviews that you've been on with you know, with these news agencies, you know, continuing to tell the story and, and to spread the message, like to throw out this net this, to, to really help in a sincere way. Um, a couple of things. Let me ask you these, you know, what, what is what does freedom mean to you? Man, that's a that's a heavy one. Um, it, I think. Every day that I wake up, I do what's called a gratefulness exercise. I'm grateful for what I have because when you go to over, when you do fight overseas and you see the turmoil or the challenges or whatever, and then you come home, freedom means something a little bit different for those who have served in that capacity. Even for the ones that haven't been overseas and have served, we do it because we, we continue to be free. I believe that freedom is a frame of mind that we we put ourselves in. We're free. We have free freedom of speech to a certain degree. You can't walk up to a policeman and say whatever you want because, you know, you may end up in handcuffs. But but our freedom has been paid for throughout this history. Um, I did a piece with uh, University of Central Florida about my military history and put it in the archives because I don't want that to be lost in, in what I did to serve. But every, you know, I got I got interviewed the week that Jack that uh, Senator McCain passed mm-hmm. at our vet fest in Missouri. And and I was asked the question. They said, what do you think about Senator McCain's service? And my response, I, I stopped for a second, and my response was, you know what, I am happy, I am grateful for all who have served, everyone from privates to, to congressmen. If you have served this country in any capacity, you know what freedom is about. You you would not have raised your hand if you didn't believe that you were going to support and defend. And so I believe that that is so true. Now now there are parts of freedom that you know there's freedom of religion, there's freedom of speech, you know. Um, you know, there's there's things that we 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 have un, unalienable rights that most people don't even know about because they've not studied the law. You know, you don't they don't people don't have the right, you know, to you have the right to not self-incriminate yourself. You have all these rights and, and things that we have in our lives that people don't understand. And so it, sometimes they get trampled on. But that is one thing. That's the reason why these flags that we're doing with Harley Davidson. Guess what word is in our campaign? I can't imagine. Does it start with an F? It does. <laughs> Freedom. And so we actually said at the breakfast table, said, well, we got to change this tagline because this is what we're after, right? We're after freedom for people. Freedom to have the right to travel or have more money or have more, have more in their lives because maybe they don't have the tools yet. They're young. They don't understand how to deal with problems. They don't have the tools available to them. And so – Freedom is freedom is a is 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 a state of a state of emotion about being happy who you who you are where you are and who what you you know enjoying the things that we have the capacity to do what others don't and this country is all about that and so that's that's freedom to me well you know really well stated Mark um, 
and again, you know, I concur and I agree with you. You know, it, it's definitely a perspective. Veterans have a different perspective of, of that, of the F word. Um, freedom means a lot to, to us for sure as Americans. Um, let me ask you this. You know, there's there's the stereotype of veterans out there. You know, we see it in the, uh, in the media, you know, that veterans are, are loose cannons. They're, you know, trigger happy. Watch out because the, every single one of them has post-traumatic stress and, you know, you can't trust them. And they're, they're these these hand grenades ready to go. Their pins mm-hmm. have been pulled. They're just waiting to, to release. Mm-hmm. What do you want the non-veteran population to know what combat veterans truly are? Well, I think it's what we're not and not what we are. I think everyone knows who we are when we're wearing the uniform. What we're not is not every single one of us have severe post-traumatic stress. Some of us, some of them do, or some of them have had post-traumatic stress because of the trauma or the physical or mental trauma they've dealt with in war and and you know there are there are all different levels of that in different people but time heals self help heals how you think heals you know when i say reset the mind sometimes how you think and the negativity you bring in and how you speak and behave and act has a huge effect on how you who you are and so I try to shift people's thinking when when they think that they might, you know, like I'm I'm suffering. Well, are you focusing on the suffering or are you focusing on what to do to get rid of it? You know, and so I think, you know, like Jack, I became a success principles coach with Jack Canfield. And one day I said, Jack, I'm, I'm working so hard on this veteran thing and I want to bring veterans to your event in Phoenix next year. And and, you know, of course, I can't put my every penny of my thrift savings out because I already did that last year <laughs> twice. And and I have no, you know, I mean, you don't have when you're lack of resources, but you still want to do big things, you know, until you become a 501c3, which I just applied for. You can't really you can't really get what you need and resources to help. And so I've made that choice now. But at the same time, you know, he was one of the guys that got rid of me uh, being afraid to hug. Right. Going back to the heart, I, I he said everybody got up in the room and said, OK, we're going to hug for the next six minutes. I said, oh, hell no. <laughs> I couldn't hug. And so so he so he his one of his top nurses that works for him and has for years helped me to unplug that. Right. And found and I found my heart again. But I had to lose. I had to shed a little ego. Right. I got this. I'm like every other veteran. I got this armor on. But what I want people to know back to your question about the civilians is this we're just people we're people who chose to serve we're people that have dealt with trauma and drama and and toxic environments and good leaders bad leaders we put our hand we put our hands on weapons to protect this country to go fight for this country and do the best we could now did we expect some of the things that happened to us no some things really bad happened to some of these soldiers some soldiers, servicemen didn't come home. I stood on that ramp. I can't count how many times. I, I, I dealt with rocket attacks in Kandahar. We dealt with a lot of things. But I realized that a, every veteran gets a choice every time they walk out the door every day to be who they want to be. Yes, we have challenges. But you know what? The majority of us, just like myself, that going from a private to a com- lieutenant colonel, I was grateful to use the military to make my family who I and to make me who I am. And I used every resource I could. And I was highly educated and I was highly in my military and my civilian world. And what civilians need to understand is most veterans, not all, but most veterans are great people. Sure, there's a bad apple out there once in a while. But you know what? (laughs) Isn't the same thing true about civilians? And so don't put us in a box. Because there is no box. And that's so very well put. You know, it's it's and it's truth. So I'm a service member transitioning. Maybe I just got out. Maybe I've been out for a while. I'm not in a great place. Mm-hmm. What would Lieutenant Colonel Green tell that person? Well, I think I would use my old words from being an inspector general. It depends. 
because I may not know what's going on inside and you may not be willing to tell me all. And so unless there's a hundred percent trust with that other person to be able to lay it all on the line and share every intimate detail of everything that is happening in that person's life, you're not going to get to the root of the problem. And so there has to be trust first. And if there's trust between friends, and that's the thing is reach out to that person that is that friend. Reach out to that person that you know may hold your secret or you know, as long as it's not going to be detriment to their family or themselves. Reach out to that person that's going to be there for you and find out what it is that's that's stuck. And then you know, just talk to them and first listen, right? Don't always just, just kind of like being in a relationship. Sometimes the spouse doesn't want to hear the fix. They just want an ear. They just need somebody to talk to. They just need somebody to let the air out of the balloon. I used to do that at my inspector general's office table or my, my desk. You know, I'd get on the phone. I dealt with 10, you know, we had eight states and 10,000 soldiers to take care of. I had 10 to 12 calls a day. So I had 10 to 12 problems new every day to deal with. So by the end of the week, I had 50 to 60 new problems. So I had that times four weeks and, and you know, that tells you what my life was like for five years. <laughs> that's and that's so, called the proving ground right there. Bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you definitely, you definitely got challenged to deal with, you know, everything from investigations to inspections to, you know, teach and train and assistance in every, in every realm. And that, I think that's where my strength lies is that I get to now kind of plug in and help people where they need to, where they go. And that, that's why I wrote the book to, to first connect. And then here's a self-help for you. And if self-help isn't enough, then that's okay. Call the number if you need to. Reach out to somebody else if you need to. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't be afraid to be so egotistical about your situation. And, and you know, people have to be honest with themselves. If it's, you know, if it's, if it's jacked up, it's jacked up. Go get, go get the help. Okay. Now, I'm not a proponent of the opiates. I'm not a proponent of some of the other things that are being offered, some of the some of the anti-anxiety drugs and all that. I'm not a proponent of that. I did self-help for myself. I'm on a journey, just like a lot of other people. Other things work, CBD and all the other things that are, people are using that work for them. So I, I don't – I'm not a doctor. All I am is a guy that says, hey, change your attitude, change your life. Change your thinking, change your life. Change a few things, remove problems and negativity from your life and don't come, wake up and say, you know what, this world sucks. Well, you know what, every day if you wake up and say that, it's gonna. Or, wow, look at the nature around me. I just walked, I did, I, you know, I went out for a, a long walk this morning with my dog and I just looked around in, in Florida and I'm like, wow, what a beautiful place, right? Perfect weather, the, the birds are singing, you know, the fish are swimming around in the lake over here. I just, you know, you got, you have to step out of yourself and work on yourself sometimes people don't want to work on themselves like they want to they want to use blaming and excuses well guess what when you're in basic training could you use that <laughs> no you didn't be there okay so you know what I, I call it resilience with a kick and that's you know the black belt thing i'm like look sometimes we need a little bit of a kick to to, to, to change or we need to kick it up a notch if we're trying to get better. It's like maybe I want to make more money. Well, then go find a network marketing company or go do something that will make you more money. Do something out of the box that you're not used to and challenge yourself. You don't just sit there and make all the excuses on why you can't. Focus on what you can do, not what you can't do. Get rid of the I am an impossible. I, you know, I, but I'm grounded. I'm not. People think, oh, well, your head's in clouds. Well, guess what? No. My head's not in the clouds. My head is focused on massive action to help others. That's where my head is. Well, I don't think, yeah, I don't think your head's in the clouds at all. I think there's some great insights and awesome advice because it works. And when you can take the experiences of your own life and create this methodology or this mindset, thought process, whatever you want to call it, track to success or, you know, just navigating the day-to-day -day stuff then you know you're doing something worthwhile. And, you know, we've heard this so many times, you know, that there's going to be naysayers and there's going to be people that don't want to look inside. Oh, yeah. And, and some people you can't touch. But you know what? How can people get your book? How can they get the book, Mark? And how can they make contact with you and also learn more about your speaker series coming up? Sure. Um, first of all, the, the books are all on Amazon. 
there you can you can look them up under my either my name my my name mark green or the title step out step up and also warriors code 001 so there are two books actually three actually i'm an international bestseller as well in the book that's called i am still here but it's an anthology with other authors so you can get the books on amazon you can reach me at my through my website or or you can send me an email at step out step up seven at gmail.com the summit will be on you can do an opt-in for the summit the 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 new website will be up within a week from today today's the 25th of april so the new website will be up where you can actually opt in to that summit next week so and it's free for all 60 hours all 60 speakers for veterans and what's that mark what's that website it's www.mark dot green okay there is no dot com it's www.mark.green it's a premium website so they can reach me they can they can order the books from that page and also next week we'll have the opening the 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 opt-in for the summit right for all veterans across the country fantastic there you have the information um Thank you very much for being here today, Mark. I uh, I appreciate it immensely. I know that the listeners do too. We have Mark Green, published author, brilliant speaker, uh, an authentic visionary and entrepreneur and vetrepreneur and person on a mission to help humankind on a level uh, unlike on any level seen before with the speaker series. You know, can you can you think of a quote or a mantra that's totally yours? that you can leave with the listeners. Is there something, Mark, that comes to mind? I know you've got quotes, man. I know you do. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I am a big quote guy. I say this is adversity is the predictable or unpredictable situation you find yourself in, dot, 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 and then what? There you have it. A useful quote from Mark Green, who has learned things, uh, you know, again, to get back to going from private to lieutenant colonel. Just that in and of itself is a feat that not many have done. And so commend you on that. And and I commend you on who you are and the things that you're doing to make the planet a better place and in, and in life, you know, enriching people's lives on this on levels, using technology in ways that that are more useful than not. Thank you for being here, Mark, on Straight Outta Combat Radio. John, it's really been a pleasure. It's been my pleasure to be to be on the show and to, to share some of the things that I believe are important to our veterans. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, it's all about the heart, man. <laughs> you got that right, sir. Thank you very much for being here today. I know I'll be seeing you down the road. You're a neighbor, man. I'm down in Sarasota, so I'm not that far. Oh, yeah, we're close. We're going to have to have coffee. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. You bet. Take care. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. Thank you for listening to another episode of Straight Outta Combat Radio, audio medicine from Green Zone Hero. If you liked what you heard, then tell others about us. Like us and download us. And please remember, freedom is not free, and combat veterans are vital assets. They're not broken. Before they burn it down